Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for the podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Brian Latham, Executive Director of Pharmacy at Bon Secours Mercy Health. I will be your host today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. As past chair of the Section Advisory Group for Business Development and System Integration, we wanted to talk to system leaders on system organizational structure. With me today are Sam Calabrese, Chief Pharmacy Officer at the Cleveland Clinic Health System, Dave Lockneth, Executive Director of Pharmacy at Broward County Health in Florida, and Wayne Bohenick, Chief Ancillary Services Officer for Bon Secours Mercy Health. Thanks for joining us today, Sam, Dave, and Wayne. Let's get started on talking about today's topic, health system pharmacy organizational structures. We want to learn about how health system structures support the individual hospitals and the hospital system strategy. So our first question, we'd like to have each of you uh, describe the size of your health system and how you've organized a centralized pharmacy leadership team. The centralized services have focused to support your pharmacy leaders at those hospitals. So Sam, we'll start with you, if you can answer that question. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Brian. So again, Sam Calabrese, uh, Chief Pharmacy Officer at the Cleveland Clinic Health System. Cleveland Clinic, just a quick overview, nonprofit, multi-specialty academic medical center. Uh, we strive to integrate clinical and hospital care uh, with research and education. Total hospitals, 18 in our system, 19, um, or I should say 11 of those are regional hospitals in Northeast Ohio, five hospitals in uh, Southeast Florida, and then we have a 394-bed hospital in Abu Dhabi, and soon a 184-bed hospital in London. So the way that we work as a system is all the directors of pharmacy from those locations uh, report directly to me as the executive chief pharmacy officer. We do have a corporate structure as well, if that's what you want to call it. I, I'm doing air quotes. I know you can't see it, Cor corporate structure, but uh, senior directors that really support the enterprise in specific ways. Uh, so, for example, our 340B senior director supports the entire system on 340B efforts. We also have a senior director for informatics and technology for our uh, med safety and drug utilization management, and for pharmacogenomics and pharmacoeconomics. Uh, so seven, uh, if you will, corporate senior director positions that support the enterprise. Um, and they do that at various meetings to help promote standardization and to promote uh, similar methods to reach goals where standardization may not be possible. So that's just a, a quick overview of, of the Cleveland Clinic and how we're structured from an enterprise standpoint in pharmacy leadership. Thanks, Sam. Wayne, uh, same question. How have you structured your centralized pharmacy leadership team? Sure, Brian. And, and again, Wayne Bohannick, I'm the Chief Officer of Ancillary Services. I do have responsibility for pharmacy and lab across Bonsacor Mercy Health. Bosco Mercy Health is located across seven states. We do have hospitals um, in Ireland, um, but 
do really not manage those. We do supply some supply chain activities with with those, but uh, really operating 43 hospitals in in those seven states. When you look at pharmacy, I I um, have been a chief pharmacy officer in large academic medical centers in the past. I do not have a chief pharmacy officer um, within Bon Secours Mercy Health. You could say I, I serve as that, um, but I have three vice presidents, and those vice presidents um, have specific lines of activities under them. So we have a vice president on over acute care pharmacy, uh, so that's all of our inpatient operations. So that includes the direct reports of all the directors up to executive directors, up to that vice president. Um, so really a, a vertical um, accountability of pharmacy operations. And then we have horizontal services. So we are do have a central order verification. We do have a central clinical, so formulary management, clinical services, our drug policy, medication safety, and automation and med delivery systems. So all of that rolls up under the acute care pharmacy. We also have a vice president over our ambulatory pharmacy. We have uh, numerous levels under that. And so we have uh, ambulatory practice. So there's clinical pharmacists embedded in physician practice offices. We run about 20 med management clinics across the enterprise. 340B is roll, rolls up all the people, resources, and standard operations under that ambulatory VP, our infusion centers. And then we also op operate a custom uh, pharmacy benefit for our employees. And all that rolls up under the ambulatory VP. And then we have a retail pharmacy vice president, and we operate 31 retail pharmacies, a central mail order and a, and a specialty operations. Again, all standard, standard IT systems across the enterprise rolling up under that retail specialty uh, mail order vice president. That's pretty much how we are structured currently within Bonds for Mercy Health. Thanks, Wayne. And uh, from a, a smaller size system level, Dave, can you comment on, on your system structure? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, Dave Lachnoff, executive um, Director of Pharmacy at Broward Health. We're a four hospital healthcare system with 10 ambulatory care clinics. We are structured to be the safety net hospital in North Broward County. So we take care of all of the uninsured patients, majority of the Northern part of Broward County and provide services to those folks. Our structure is one that's evolved over the last four years that I've been here. I always say that the structure evolves based on value. The value added that we found that are good to centralize at the corporate level was my role administratively to look at strategy and oversight um, to my direct report, which is a senior VP of operations. Secondly, what are those services that extrapolate across the entire organization that we feel adds high value. The first thing that comes to mind is formulary. So we have a formulary um, type role that works with our all regions to standardize the formulary across the division. The 
Second area that I found was high impact that we needed to centralize quickly was 340B management and how we're interpreting 340B rules and regulations. So we have a 340B team that sits at the corporate level, works with all of the regions around their specificities in 340B qualification, but maintains consistency with a lot of the rules, regulations, and the legislation that impact 340B. The last role for me that we have rolled into the corporate central structure is charge master and financial management. So we have a clinical analyst who basically works on that standardization model of making sure our CDMs are standardized, that our charges, bills, and charge master are appropriately looked at from a pharmacy viewpoint in working with our finance teams and our regional teams. And and right now, that is the where we are as a smaller health system. But I, I do think we will be evolving into more areas of opportunity as we see the benefit for the senior VPs and executive within the organization. Thanks, Dave. Dave makes a great point where the value is. Net value is maybe different in every health system. There's cultural differences. There's point in time differences. And, you know, when you look at a a specific health system and how they're set up from a corporate pharmacy perspective, you really need to say what's valuable for that system at that point in time and not trying to duplicate what what another health system has. So that's, I think, a very important point Dave made. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, You know, consistently, I think, you know, I've heard, you know, the formulary and 340B management of the specialized services being kind of uh, similar in the three organizations from a central services standpoint. I'd be interested to hear if there are any services that have been considered to centralize, but deemed um, maybe not the best to centralize from a pharmacy perspective and to leave that more up to the local pharmacy leaders to operationalize or, or conduct that line of business or if there's been any attempt to do that and it just didn't work out well. Brian, I think, you know, when you, when you're first starting out and it may be best to look at those areas that are removed from the front lines of, of patient care. And so when you look at supply chain formulary and those types of services that you, you can do a little bit easier trying to do things around clinical services that, until you've standardized the formulary, until you've standardized your IT processes around that, it may be very difficult to do the closer you get to the patient. And, and you're also dealing with issues at the hospital in those specific hospitals and markets that um, may be a little bit different. And so you, you really do need to take a step back and say, what, what are those areas that you should start with? And what are the foundational platforms on which you can then build other standardization across the ministries. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point, Wayne. The, the other thing that we look at is geography. So for example, Florida has their own a type of leadership structure with a dotted line back to me. Uh, they have different regulations they have to follow. Uh, they may have a couple different goals, especially when they are integrating new hospitals in Florida. And we see the same thing in international business. So Abu Dhabi, and London have their leadership structure, dotted line back to the corporate, but uh, a solid line to uh, the local because of the regulatory issues and 
maybe some of the the the, the bigger th the things that keep people up uh, up at night are different than what they would be in Ohio. So we're, we we look at a from a geography geography standpoint as well. And I think for for our hospitals and our health system, I, I think the there's a value that we need to always show our executives and C-suites that the value is there for the organization. And then for us, it's the element of maybe pushing programs. I do not have a med safety position at a corporate level, which I think adds high value. And we are looking at that this fiscal year and adding on. So I, I do always think that it's always a show high value, show high impact and measure that that value is there. So far, most of our initiatives have shown the value where we've been able to sustain and keep, uh, but we don't have all the resources in the world. So we do have to make sure that we use those resources wisely and for the best interest of the organization. So I do think that there are additional areas to increase value, as Sam and Wayne both alluded to, that we look at and we say, how do we apply that back to a Broward Health organization to add value back to our organization? And one last comment, Brian, I, you know, I've been managing since 2002 in, in Bonsacore Mercy Health. When we first started out, we did not have direct lines of accountability to the pharmacy directors across the system. And it was really management by committee, by influence. And you can move things forward successfully. It just is a lot more work, a lot more communication. Um, and you may have sites that have to give up something for the betterment of the ministry. And that becomes challenging when you don't have that, uh, that direct line. Uh, we moved to a direct line about four years ago. So uh, managed with a dotted line approach for about 15 years and now have that direct line. It, it doesn't change the way you have to communicate with the sites. In fact, there's probably more communication with hospital presidents, hospital leaderships, than what we've done in the past, but it allows you to practice as a system and move things across the system much more quickly because the alignment and the accountability is there. And that brings up a good point in our evolution too. Uh, it went was a straight line direct to hospital administration. Now it's dual line to myself and the hospital administrators. And there's always the conversation. And I always go back to, well, where's the most value with reporting and, and how does that work? So again, it's an evolution where we've evolved at least to the dual line approach. But as Wayne alluded to, I, I think there are um, some alignment type strengths that come with the way you create that reporting structure. Thanks, Dave. So one uh, key phrase I heard was standardization. And so Dave, if you could comment, how ha have you enforced uh, some types of standardization for the betterment of the health system and in what areas? So I tr we, we've done a lot of standardization, and, and as Wayne alluded to, standardization by committee to some extent. So when I look at the pharmacy as an organization, some of the key elements that you have to always keep in front of you to stay, I, I feel like ahead of the game is financials. So we have a pharmacy dashboard that we look at. We look at drugs per APD compared to budget and prior year. We look at our retail pharmacy net revenues compared to budget and prior year. And we work as a committee level at the regionals because of the dotted line structure where we work on monthly operating reviews to move those what I call it, those key finances in the right direction. 
Other areas outside of finance that we have standardized is we've created a control substance dashboard where each of the regional hospitals report out on 14 KPIs up to their CEO and then to the district. And the reason why is the CEO ultimately holds control substance authority within buildings. Um, but it also makes ensures we keep our eye on the ball on a very high risk, high compliance oriented area. All regional hospitals have bought in, agreed to, and we've standardized definitions and measurements of control substance management. And a lost major area that we need we standardized was our medication error reporting process, where we've standardized against the NC MERP guidelines for reporting the, uh, the severity of the error, as well as our follow-up plan to take care of action plans to prevent errors from happening in the future. And that's led to a monthly operating review committee. It's a, it's a, it's a committee that's set up to review what's going on across the district. Whereas before, I thought we were doing it somewhat in silos. Maybe one of my hospitals came up with a great find and a great application and a, and a great catch, but it didn't tra trickle into the other three hospitals where they can take the near miss and implement it in their hospitals to make the system safer and better. With our new process of standardization, we're able to take something that occurred in one, one area as an area of opportunity and extrapolate that across the entire district with consistency. Those are the key areas that we are focused on as far as standardization. And the last element that I want to touch on, all policies and procedures are now approved by all regional managers together so that they can talk about differences in the operations and what best practice is. And together, they can mutually agree on what the best practice should be for all of the regions to follow. And then we come out with a single policy that covers what all of the hospitals have agreed to at the same time point in time for standardization. Uh, and, and I think those sums up the at a very high level what we're doing to just keep things moving from a standardization of all regional hospitals and our ambulatory services. Thanks, Dave. Some great examples there. Uh, Sam, do you have any additional standardization things that? Yeah, I think, um, Dave, a lot of what Dave stated uh, we have put into place here. You know, our integration plan started over 10 years ago. Uh, we've been working on um, how we standardize. And I think the word standardization sometimes comes across as negative as well. So I usually talk about we standardize where we can and we're similar in other areas. Hard to be cookie cutter on in an 18 hospital, even larger system. What I can do at a large academic medical center like main campus probably can't be done at a regional hospital and vice versa. As you get a smaller hospital, they're a little bit more nimble and probably a, a lot less red tape than maybe uh, the, the larger, the larger uh, organizations. So we try to standardize where it makes sense, or if I use Dave's term, where we find the most value, right? So some of the things that Dave mentioned, formulary, finances, we are an epic house. So all of our our drug files are standardized. Um, but then services that we provide, we have outlined what are our core services, what services should every patient receive regardless of what hospital they're in, and those are core. And then we have pilot areas or some hospitals that do some other services that they can because they're a little bit more nimble. We do not want to decrease folks' ability to um, uh, be innovative. So I worry about that as you standardize things and you squash innovation or you where you can learn new processes. My biggest pet peeve is when they call us the mothership 
and that we control everything. Uh, I try to squash that term uh, because great ideas can come from any hospital within the system and can carry across the enterprise. Um, and we do a lot of that. We have a ton of enterprise focused meetings. This year, I actually finally outlined it all, visioed it, so we know how all of these enterprise meetings feed up into the pharmacy executive group, which is across the enterprise. So individuals know, hey, if we can't reach a compromise or a solution, who does it go to next so that we can come up with either a standardized approach or a similar approach? The bottom line is if your goals are still the same, the path on how you get to that goal may be different. So um, it's to keep your eye on the prize, or if you can't reach a consensus, ask the question, what's the goal? What are we trying to reach? And if I have to take two different roads to get there, that's fine as long as I reach the goal. Some great comments there. Thanks, Sam. So uh, Wayne, you had mentioned the dotted line uh, pharmacy director reporting relationship uh, to a local leader as far as the, you know, solid line to the, the system level pharmacy leader. So um, can you just comment on some challenges or ways to that, that you've worked to improve that communication and, and structure with the hospital leadership? As I said in the past, it, it, from a historical perspective, the pharmacy directors reported up through the hospital and the hospital leadership and it wasn't, again, until about four years ago that we changed that reporting structure. And, it, and it's really worked well. Um, but what we've had to do is really make sure that there's communication up from that pharmacy director to a point person leader within that hospital. But also, uh, I have a market level meeting with the market level president, the chief operating officer, and usually a clinical lead with my pharmacy leads on a monthly basis. So we have about 10 markets that those 40 hospitals roll up to. And if you can think about the time consuming nature of those calls, it, it is very time consuming, but it aligns with where the issues are at in the market, what activities are we doing within that specific market, and it allows for a dialogue that, to go back and forth. And I'll tell you that that meeting, while it's a very labor intensive, every end of the month, the last week are set up with these meetings. That's um, really, I, I think the kudos that the pharmacy team gets within the organization because we have that line of communication is, is critical and that's been extremely successful. Dave, you mentioned the two solid line structure. So who takes care of the human resources and the the evaluations and the structure that, that you stated? So the, the way it's divided is if it's in pharmacy scope, it lands into my purview. So I usually will set the pharmacy goals for the year, the what we're going to focus on. As Sam alluded to, the how we get there, you give the managers the autonomy to do that. Where the the local COOs really come in is the local needs, right? Because you have to balance both. Every hospital has its unique needs. How are the departments contributing to those local needs and then making sure those goals are tied? So 
you know, in order to be successful, you really have to be aligned with, as Wayne alluded to, a lot of players in the healthcare system. The COO and the 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 CP chief pharmacy officer really need to kind of be together on the on what the goals should be over the course of that year. The pharmacy, the chief pharmacy officer also needs to be on the same page with the regional manager and all the way up the corporate level to see your senior VPs that everyone's in alignment and in, in what we should do. So the it it is a lot more, I believe, communications that needs to happen to get through the the what we're setting our focus on and then how we're gonna get there. Cause if you have if everyone is hitting targets and making everything work, it, it works out really well. It's high fives and we move on. And that happens for the most part. But if you have any trouble with um, achieving targets, then that comes in where the the it gets a little bit muddy. And then it comes back to, well, where did we and how did we not achieve the target? And then you're having those conversations to work through that process. The human resource question you asked in your in your question too, that's handled at the hospital level. So if there's a problem with staff, it comes through and if the administrators feel that they don't understand the pharmacy scope or if they'd like me to weigh in from a pharmacy scope questions, which I get referred to a lot, they'll bring me in to ask, hey, Dave, how should this happen in a pharmacy? And then I'll weigh in from an administrative on level on what I think the pros and cons are and what I think the um, standards are for excellence in, in pharmacy practice. Just to touch real quick on something Dave said that I think is really important, that relationship with the local leadership, whether it be the COO or the vice pilots, usually the COO is extremely important, regardless if you have dotted line, solid line. Being on the same page is so important and that they feel that there's transparency and you're not hiding anything, specifically from a financial standpoint, when maybe goals aren't being met. You know, we have a lot of dollars flowing through the pharmacy. So we're the first ones they come and say, hey, what, how, what, how are we going to cut your budget? reminding them or making sure they know that 85% of our costs are usually drugs and it's not a fluff in FTEs or any other equipment that we have. So that relationship is so important from financial productivity measures, any type of local goals in order to make sure that there's transparency and collaboration. Thanks, Sam. We'll stick with you with a a follow-up question about professional development of uh, local pharmacy leaders or local pharmacy technicians, how you've maybe structured a mechanism for them to consider, you know, more corporate or, or centrally structured positions. And if you had anyone working virtually versus, you know, coming into a, a centralized home office for, for some of these purposes. Yeah. So there was a lot in that question. So I'll, I'll take uh, talent, uh, professional growth and development and, It's a timely question because we are currently going through what we're calling a talent review across the enterprise. So when I took on the role of chief pharmacy officer last year, one of my goals is to actually have a formalized succession plan. We talk about it a lot, but do do you actually have one? And uh, so I partnered with our talent acquisition group in HR, and we're doing talent reviews where uh, we're going to each level of leadership and having them look across their portfolio of caregivers to say these two are high potential and they have the potential to rise to the next level if they get some development. We are in the process of reviewing over 25 individuals across the enterprise that were deemed high potential at that first level. And they are in the process of filling out what we call a career interest survey. What are the things that you feel you're strong in? 
What are some of the things that you want to work on? And then as a team, we would get together and evaluate where that person is on the, on the, on the spectrum, if you will, of ready for promotion, who needs maybe more finance or more HR and building an individual development plan for them to move forward. Uh, so that's what we're doing in our leadership team. From a technician standpoint, one of the things that we continue to push is we would love all our technicians to go through an ASHP accredited training program, which we have within our health system. We've opened that up free of charge to all of our technicians. So they're able to go online, take the didactic courses, their hours of work already count for their experiential hours. And we're trying to move them into that direction of becoming more I guess, connected to their job and understanding how their role fits in within the healthcare system. And then developing positions that they can move into, such as analysts in our 340B world, our our coordinators for automation. So taking the current skills they have and creating positions to take that work off of a pharmacist and promote and utilize the skills of those uh, technicians in our organization. Uh, So two, two different tracks, but the goal to figure out how we can develop folks as much as we can and move them forward. As for remote work, you know, we went through a process of validating who can work remotely and who cannot. From our, our clinical positions, we believe that we should be on site with our patients. Uh, so any clinical pharmacist positions uh, that we fought for for years to be on the medical team, on the floors, rounding, they are here. Um, teams that may be home or being remote are finance our prior authorization team, our 340B team, informatics team, those folks that can do their job remotely, but not our exactly direct patient care. Thanks, Sam. Wayne, anything going on with at Bon Secours Mercy Health to promote professional development? I think first we have an assessment tool called the CMA assessment that we do from our, we have our directors and above that it's, it's a very extensive assessment of their leadership capability, and we get reports out of that. There's then leadership tools that you can bring to that group based on the CMA assessment. And so we're doing that with all of our director level individuals. Um, in addition, our system has rolled out a 16 hour kind of a performance improvement uh, leadership for our manager and above over the summer and with a timeline that we you have to complete that by. And so everyone in the organization above a manager had to go through that process is how do you lead teams? How do you, what are some performance improvement tools that you can use with brainstorming and other, other techniques? And then we have groups that meet uh, together. So we have a system-wide board certification study group and they, they meet regularly um, across the system. I think the one important thing when you're thinking about system level growth and development in a, you know, a health system, operating at the system level is much different than operating at a hospital level. And if you're successful at a hospital level, you may hate working at a system level. And so to get some of your directors involved in system level projects, to see how they like it and to see how they function. Again, it's it's a very, very different and not everybody likes working at the system. It's a much slower process, a much more political process than it is more tactical at, at a local hospital level. And I think how you bring people up in the organization, getting them involved early in their careers in that process is beneficial. Thanks, Wayne. 
Dave, you had mentioned uh, pharmacy strategy earlier, and uh, I'd like to hear how you involve the local pharmacy leaders in creating that system pharmacy strategy. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we have a chief operating officer council that occurs at a system level for all leaders in the district and pharmacy, of course, sits there as a subcommittee. One of our um, assignments that we do is we actually break out and have the pharmacy leaders meet separately as an ad hoc group. The goal of that is the pharmacy team creates their own strategic plan for what pharmacy needs within the organizations. You know, the pharmacy will assess their basic needs and then what their stretch goals are. If basic needs are, for example, in human resources that they want to create a, a clinical ladder, then that'll be the what we're going to focus on that year based on what the regional managers say they need locally. So we had that meeting and they did, a, a, they did define three to four major areas they'd like to work on over the next 12 months. What that allows is alignment with what they want to myself in corporate and my, and what my role in corporate is to navigate the corporate waters to get them to a place where they can achieve those goals. So the, the question I think is how do we involve them? We actually have them create their own plan based on what they see and touch and then what we do is as it goes up the chain, that plan becomes more standardized and more governed. And, and then ultimately, the hopefully is that we can support them at corporate to achieving their plan or some level of their plan with, with time we're investing and time they're, they're investing to, to coordinate that effort. Sounds good. Wayne, any other comments for corporate strategies? I think every year we have a, a you know a strategic planning session with the pharmacy team begins in the fall. There's you know a component of that is really celebrating the accomplishments over the previous year and everybody sharing that and learning it. When you take a step back and you look at what you've done, it's really it's amazing and it's great for the team to do that. It's also a time to really understand the system objectives. What are those key areas that the system is focusing on and how is pharmacy going to align to support those system objectives? And then to develop really under the three VPs that we have developing specific goals and objectives for the coming year, which then leads to um, it ties into the system level objectives, but also has their own objectives where then you can do performance and performance improvement and that can cascade down. The last part of the whole strategic planning session is to look at our KPI dashboard to see if it needs to be modified in any way. We have one specific for the pharmacy under all of the three VPs, and it, we want to make sure that we're monitoring those things that we said it's important to monitor. So again, it's every year it's going through that entire process from, from start to finish and uh, making sure that alignment is there. Yeah, and, and Sam, can you comment? Um similar to that, how you communicate the pharmacy strategy, you know, down to the local levels, the pharmacists and technicians and their involvement in getting through those goals. Yeah, absolutely. So another timely question at uh, this year, we used to follow the same type of strategy planning session as Wayne described. And uh, we tried to do it a little bit different this year with COVID because we still couldn't meet as a group in October so I switched it. Instead of having a one-day strategy planning session, we did a three-month strategy planning session, three days, one in October, one in November, and one in December. Uh, the first meeting was 
uh, and, and I should say how we plan that is all of the local leadership, all of those directors, we work together to plan the goals for the pharmacy enterprise. Uh, so it's not coming from the mothership, it's actually uh, us working together as a team. And uh, our first meeting was what did we sell, what can we celebrate, just like Wayne said, but then what is it that we see ourselves doing in the next three to five years? Like, what is our big strategies? We then took those back to the local level, to the pharmacists, the technicians, and said, here's what our thoughts are for the three to five years. Are we on track? What are we missing? Are we crazy? <laughs> you know, just to kind of get their buy-in. The second meeting in November was, okay, here's where what we, the feedback we got. So our three to five year plan makes sense. What can we accomplish next year? And we came up with what are our goals for 2021? Those then went back again to the staff and the technicians, pharmacists, technicians, anyone that was local level, they reviewed them and said, yes, that makes sense, or no, that really is a longer term. And December was our final, let's set what 2021 looks like, but also we have this parking lot of three to five year goals that we can start next year uh, with the running start, which is coming up, October is coming up quickly for us to start again. This then became the enterprise pharmacy strategic plan, not the leadership plan, not Sam's plan, not the mothership's plan, but all of the, the enterprise plan. Um, posters recreated with all the goals. They're hanging up in every single pharmacy, which was, uh, was it's really nice to see uh, when I go and visit all the hospitals that there is connection with the goals. And that is really how you know, all of us know that's how you get things done is you got to make those connections from the front line to the leadership, uh, to the goals. And then obviously your goals have to connect with your enterprise uh, hospital goals to make sure you're, again, using Dave's term, adding value to the organization. And Brian, I, I would have to say, um, based on Sam's annual report out of the Cleveland Clinic for the pharmacy, uh, is probably the best annual report that I've ever seen and try, try to duplicate that, but can never do that myself. But they I, I, I second, I second that tremendous job with their annual report. Well, a lot of, a lot of hands and effort in there. I, I uh, have a great team that is very proud of their accomplishments. So it's, it's not, not too, not too bad. So thank you though. I appreciate the comments. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Sam Wayne and Dave. Uh, for joining us to discuss health system organizational structures. Be sure to subscribe to at ASHP official podcast for future sessions. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.